When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ed Robertson, welcome you to this week's edition of TV Confidential Radio. Talk show about television that will welcome back actress and director Michelle Danner. In our second hour, Michelle Danner, also one of the top acting coaches in the entertainment industry. Michelle has a film in post-production, plus she is prepping a stage production that will feature Anne Archer in 2023. We'll ask her about both those projects. She'll also share a few memories of actor Paul Sorbino. Michelle acted with and directed Paul Sorbino on two occasions over the past 10 years. Michelle Danner will join us in our second hour. We hope you stay tuned for that. Our second hour will also feature the first two-part conversation with Norma Maldonado. Norma Maldonado, the actress, most of you know for her recurring role as the telenovela director on Jane the Virgin. Norma has a new holiday movie out right now on Lifetime TV. We'll tell you about that and more when Norma Maldonado joins us also in our second hour. We hope you stay tuned for that as well. In the meantime, we will open up our first hour by playing part two of a conversation that began a few weeks back with our friend Randy West. Randy West, longtime voice artist and television announcer who has worked behind the scenes on many popular television talk shows, game shows, award shows, and live events, including shows hosted by the likes of Dick Clark, Wink Martindale, Chuck Woolery, Bob Eubanks, and Bob Barker. Plus, he was mentored in the business by legendary announcer Johnny Olson. Randy's latest book, TV Inside Out, Flukes, Flakes, Feuds, and Felonies, provides insight into the mystery and occasional misery of television stardom and how some TV performers have managed to overcome the trappings of stardom and maintain a happy, functional, and satisfying life. TV Inside Out, Flukes, Flakes, Feuds, and Felonies, available hardcover and paperback through our friends at Bear Manor Media. You can learn more about Randy West, tbrandywest.com. It's not just game show personalities, which seems to be where we're focused. I mean, I've got information that I'm, I, I'm thrilled to have garnered in presenting a 3D picture of people like Mark Goodson, uh, the producer, Robert Stack, the uh, actor, Ed Sullivan, who the tastemaker for you know 23 years on Sunday night, uh, Art Linklater, Jerry Lewis, Joan Rivers, Shirley MacLaine, uh, you know, people that you may not consider to be part of our television heritage and, and somebody that, who works in game shows would know much about, but from working talk shows and uh, reality shows and award shows, I've got to meet so many of these people, and they all have a, a fascinating story to be told once you get to know what makes them tick. It's uh, quite interesting. An, a, an afternoon with uh, 
Shirley MacLaine. It's unbelievable, okay? I mean, she lived 35,000 years ago and will tell you the details <laughs> of her brother who was on another planet and, and all this. And, uh, you know, that's fascinating and it's, it's, it's funny, but some of the stories she tells about what I guess you and I would call extrasensory perception or they defy description. I mean, she brought a home. She was living in Malibu. I ran into her in a supermarket in Malibu, and she told me the story of when she was up in, uh, I think it was Aspen, but don't quote me on that. And she walked in, she was looking for a, a vacation home, and she walked in with the real estate agent to look at this home for sight unseen, and she stood in the doorway and told the real estate agent, somebody died in this house. And the real estate agent's mouth just kind of hung open. He said, well, yes, and we legally have to disclose that. Yeah. So, yes, I was going to say that. And she says, no, no, it, it, and it was a dancer. It was somebody who died. I'm a dancer. The, the person who died in this home was a dancer. And the story goes on and on where Shirley McLean is able to ascertain things that defy all logic. So when she starts talking about this, you know, crazy prior lives and all this, you can't totally discard it because she does have a gift and I don't know where, you know, the hocus-pocus starts and ends or where, you know, her true uh, vision into things we can't see begins and ends. Uh, a fascinating woman, a fascinating woman. And I'm so honored to have had the time to sit and talk with this, some of these people. It's a gift I'll always treasure. Shirley MacLaine, fascinating woman that Randy met on the set of Our Magazine, one of the many talk shows that Randy was announcer for. In, in the course of his 30-plus year career on, on network and syndicated television. I believe another person you got to know on the set of Our Magazine, and if that's not, not the case, you'll correct me, was Robert Stack. Robert Stack uh, was not Our Magazine. I, I will correct you because <laughs> I know you can deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> Your ego isn't. You know, there are some people I've worked with who, oh, that's right, that's right, Bob, you know, whatever you say. <laughs> Uh, Robert Stack was booked to do a corporate event, and these are always fun for celebrities because just the showing up is, you know, and, and saying five words uh, seems to make the night for them. So there's no lines to remember. There's no great, you know, rehearsal. And they pick up 10, 15 grand for, for showing up, uh, which is wonderful. So I was hired at minimum, minimum, minimum scale to be on stage at the Century Plaza Hotel in Los Angeles, posing as one of many uh, like tourists, and we were all snapping cameras uh, at a make-believe crime scene because Robert Stack, of course, was the host of... Uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Unsolved Mysteries, right. So th they brought him in for the day to uh, to play that role in the trench coat and the hat, you know, and that, that sneer on his face about this unsolved mystery, you know. And it was an inside joke. Nobody obviously dived in the ballroom of the Century Plaza Hotel. It was just a, a, a funny bit relating to the company the, behind this corporate event. So he stands there and does his five minutes, and they've got steam coming up from the stage like it's a New York street. You know, it's very, very elaborate for, you know, a quick sight gag, really. Yeah. It's, it only ran like 10 minutes. And there's a bunch of us being paid to be snapping photos like it's a crime scene. Okay, so we're finished with that. He takes the hat and the coat off, and we're all sitting down, and we're having a meal because, hey, it's free. <laughs> Yeah, nobody could, no matter how millions of dollars you have, it's sometimes hard to turn down a free meal. So, come to know, Stack is nothing like that character, or, you know, the shoot-em-up uh, uh, Elliot Ness, right. character mm -hmm. that he played, Elliot Ness. 
Uh, he's just a, a, a great guy, lighthearted, loves to laugh, and has the most amazing, amazing stories of old Hollywood because he was here when uh, it was the studio system. Mm -hmm. You know, people were under contract, turning out movies, and he worked with, you know, you, you could look up his history, but worked with some of the great movie stars of the, of the 30s and 40s and 50s. And the stories he told were unbelievable. But the one that he told me that was most unbelievable is when he was hired for The Untouchables. There were other people who were earlier than him on the list, and for one reason or another, and you can read the book about uh, the original intended uh, star of The Untouchables and how his wife tried to extort Desi Arnaz, who owned the show, for double the money in the last minute. In other words, they agreed to do the show, and then at the last minute, the wife called and said, well, he's demanding, or we're demanding, twice the money. And uh, Desi Arnaz, uh, even if you don't buy into the Latin uh, stereotype of uh, a hot temper, uh, Desi wasn't going to take that from anybody, Latin or not. Well, so, he, he had a budget. He had a budget, and well, he, knew what, he, he knew how far he could go with his budget, and he knew uh, where he would get in trouble. And so, like many savvy producers— uh, Desi was willing to go so far with a certain person, but if they start playing demands, it's going to make it not cost-efficient. He's going to look for somebody else, and that's where Robert Stack came in. Right. It was a Desi Lou production, exactly. And, you know, he could have followed from Peter to pay Paul on the one budget against another, but there was a resentment. You know, like, screw you, if you'll pardon me, uh, French. Uh, I cleaned that up for you. But no, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure Desi was a lot more colorful. You got that right. <laughs> and there are some stories about exactly... Uh, what he said when he came out in his more colorful sense against Rob Reiner on the set of mm -hmm. a show, uh, yeah, he had a hot temper. So in any case, Robert Stack got the chance to do The Untouchables very, very close. To, I think it was like two or three days before rehearsals began. It was very late. And during the show, uh, he came to know Desi a whole lot more. The two of them got, to, got along fine. But he came to learn that the job he had just taken, Elliot Ness in The Untouchables, that Desi had been through the mill before the production had even been planned to go into a shooting stage because it's all about the, 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 you know, if you remember The Untouchables, it was about the Prohibition era and organized crime. Al Capone. Al Capone. And Al Capone had already passed away from syphilis, by the way, uh, but his widow was still very much alive, uh, May Capone, and when she heard that her husband's name was going to be dragged through the mud, as it had been in the book, The Untouchables, now coming to the screen every week for everybody to see at home, she told Desi, do not do this show if you value your health. And Desi said, listen, relax. It's all been told before. It's just the same. She said, I don't care. Do not do this show. And he laughed it off uh, and then got uh, further phone calls and visits from people you don't want to be visited by. And uh, one of the visits, according to all sources that uh, I can confirm, and it does bear out what Robert Stack told me, is that Frank Sinatra was dispatched as a middleman between, let's say, the boys and show business. And Frank Sinatra made a personal plea to... Uh, Desi Arnaz not to do the show, and Desi threw him out of the house, as the story goes. Uh, this was in Palm Springs, at his Palm Springs home. And, uh, they, of course, uh, he proceeded, as he did, to do The Untouchables, at which point uh, May Capone served uh, him and uh, the network and Westinghouse, the sponsor, with a million-dollar defamation uh, lawsuit. 
which was dismissed. Then came a visit from Al Capone's son. It turned out Desi Arnaz had gone to school, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. When Desi first emigrated to the United States from Cuba to Miami, he was in the same school with Al Capone's son. And they knew each other in passing, but now all these decades later, the son comes to plead with Desi not to do the show. And Desi says, I'm doing the show. Listen, you know, if I don't do the show, someone else will do the show. It's a book. It's a common knowledge. It's a great story. Someone will tell it. And, uh, well, not you, Desi, if you value your health. Well, make a long story short, there was a mafia hit on Desi Arnaz's life. And exactly how that played out and why he was still alive is in the book. That book being TV Inside Out, Flukes, Flakes, Feuds, and Felonies by our guest Randy West. TV Inside Out, available Bear Manor Media, wherever books are sold online, Amazon.com. You can learn more about Randy West, tbrandywest.com. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, very, very early in my career, I was not doing radio at the time. I was writing books, and I freelanced for some print publications, Randy. I had a chance to spend an hour on the phone with Robert Stack. Uh, The purpose was mostly... Uh, we're doing a retrospective on the untouchables. There are two things I learned about Robert Stack in the course of that hour-long conversation that basically tie in with the overall point you make in TV Inside Out. Because everything under the sun had been written about the untouchables, I tried to take a different attack with him. And uh, without realizing it, I ended up ticking him off with each of my first three questions. And so, I mean, the interview started off bad and proceeded to get worse. And Stack was being very patient. And then he finally, he, I wouldn't say he lost it, but he did say, look, I did some homework on you. You obviously, you know what you're doing, but I'm going to give you a little bit of advice. Not that I'm all that important, but if you're going to talk to celebrities or if if you're going to talk to me, make sure some of your questions have something to do with me. And when he first said that, I thought that was just being egocentric. But there's a lot more to it than that. I mean, he basically gave me the secret to how to talk to celebrities, and I've applied that in the last 25 years ever since. Well, there's a valid point behind all that, sure. Yeah. And once we got past that, he, you know, he relaxed and he confirmed what you uh, talk about in the book, which is that he was a very funny, amiable person, one of the nicest people to talk to if you're yeah. a journalist off camera. Yeah. Yeah. He must have, you know, you just got him on a wrong day or you ticked him off a little bit, uh, but he's really been a, a, was a sweet guy. Well, and, and the, the other takeaway is he could have ended the conversation after five minutes. But he didn't. He said, "Look, let's 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 start over." As I say, he spent he ended up spending an hour on the phone with me. He didn't have to do that. I mean, you know, he didn't have to waste the time uh, schooling someone who thought he knew what he was doing, but didn't know what he was doing, but has come to learn what he's doing because of Robert Stack now. Well, that that is a gift. He gave you a gift. <laughs> he certainly did. Yeah, and I, I remember things that I've said in warm up. Uh, in front of live studio audiences where somebody said to me later, now, Randy, why would you say that? And, uh, you know, it turned out to be an embarrassing moment, but in reality it was a, a gift for somebody to come forward and tell you what you're, you know, what you're doing wrong or might improve your game. That's something nobody has to do, and it, it was a gift. 
And Randy West dispels uh, some of the many gifts he's learned, some of the many pearls of wisdom that uh, people like Johnny Olson have shared with him in TV Inside Out, Flukes, Flakes, Feuds, and Felonies, available hardcover and paperback, BearManorMedia.com. Two more questions, if I can. Sure. Uh, we talked before about uh, Gene Wood, Gene Wood, uh, George Gray, Jack Clark, three, ex- three examples of game show announcers who hosted their own games on screen a few times and we mentioned that you've done the price is right live you've done you've done the wheel of fortune live some people seem to be more successful at it than others some people they're able to make that transition from uh, from off-screen announcer to on-screen and so forth some people cannot why do you think that is why do you think some people are able to make that transition because they make it about themselves period uh, the longer answer is Mark Goodson used to have a great quote. He said, hosting a good host, hosting a game show well, is like driving an 18-wheeler on a, a mountainous road in the snow in reverse. There's just so much to be aware of uh, that most people have no clue to. But you need to be doing many things at once, like his analogy for driving an 18-wheeler backwards in the snow. Uh, you need, of course, number one, to be forwarding the gameplay, finding the moments. Now, if you get this right and your opponent gets this wrong, this could be your, you know, you need to be constantly recapping and putting into focus for the home audience the gameplay. The gameplay is number one. Number two, the contestants are the stars. People at home are emoting, relating, identifying with the contestants. So you want to bring out their their personality. Are they worried about this question? Are they happy? Are they gleeful? They just won. Are they sad? Oh, they just lost. It's the emoting along with these people at home that makes a game show good. So the game is number one. Hopefully the folks watching a TV uh, can play along with it, like solving the puzzle in their living room. But the game has to be the focus. The contestants are the secondary focus. And you, as the host maybe you get to insert a little personality. But thats it's not a show about you, and that's where a lot of people fall down in trying to make that transition. Oh, my God, I'm going to host the show. I'm the star of the show. Oh, my God. And that's not it at all. You fall you fail miserably because nobody needs to see a guy in a, you know, in a, in a suit behind a podium talking about himself. They were there to watch the game, to play the game, to see the game, and to feel the, oh, I could do that uh, as far as emoting with the contestants. The contest- oh, I, I solved that before they did. Or, you know, oh, I would have said that. Or, no, I knew that answer. That's the game. And uh, uh, it, it takes a certain kind of person, if they are enjoying being in the public light, uh, to sublimate that uh, desire for, you know, uh, adoration, the ego. You, that has to be totally sublimated. And maybe you get a good line in here or there. And watch watch any of the, the masters, uh, the old masters, if you will. Alex Trebek read 61 questions, or answers, if you will, <laughs> and uh, was a wonderful host, not because that's all he did, but he did bring himself to it. If you watch the show, you got a sense of who Alex was. And he occasionally, when interviewing the contestants, had something clever and funny to say. And uh, at the beginning of the show, he would come out and recap something that happened uh, either on the show the previous day or maybe even in his life. So he had his moments to, uh, to be a personality, to uh, exude you know, a part of himself in the show, but it's in the, it's in the cracks. It's, it's, you're not the focus. Pat Sajak, I mean, there's a great personality. We all know he has a wit, he's funny, he's clever, 
but you don't hear him stop down and start to, let me tell you about my day yesterday, you know, a funny thing happened on my way to the studio, blah, 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 blah. You know, he plays off of something the contestant says, makes a joke off of something they said, keeping it the focus. What they said was the focus. He has a little aside that spins off of it. When you solve the puzzle, you know, I've never been to Spain. Let's say that's the puzzle. Mm-hmm. He doesn't start talking about his trip to Europe. I mean, you know, it's, it, that's not what it's about. So even the guys who have great personalities and have lots to say, you talk with Alex over dinner, you I say Jack could do an hour of stand-up, but that's not what you bring as a host to a television show. So that's where a lot of people fall down on the job. They think it's about them. Randy West is the author of TV Inside Out, Flukes, Flakes, Feuds, and Felonies. Take a quick time out. Talk some more with Randy when we come back on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.